everything you need in the morning. Local news, traffic, weather, guests, fun conversation, and you. It's Good Morning Westchester with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. May Sano and College Hoops Chat on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hope you're all doing well today. I'm going to open with a quote from Martin Luther King to honor that this great man on this important day that our whole country has stopped for today to remember, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I love this quote, and it's probably as true now as it's ever been. He, he said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. How true is that? So we remember Martin Luther King Jr. on this day uh, across the nation. All right. I have so much to talk to, uh, talk about today on the show uh, that I, I probably need two hours, but I don't have it. So let's get going. Number one, my guest today is J.P. Butler. He writes for the Oleon Times Herald and covers the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Uh, a really nice guy, and he does a really uh, great job covering the Bonnies. He's going to call in at 8.15 in about nine minutes. Um, let's talk about our local team first. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of sad. Kind of sad to tell you about the Iona College Gales. Uh, Friday, Friday night, I saw in my Twitter feed a message from Iona College Basketball. That, that that the next game is going to be January 30th. Yes, the the Iona College Gales are in their third, count them, third shutdown from COVID virus. Another person, they don't tell you who, either a player or a staff member or a coach got COVID and has shut down the team for another two weeks. They were supposed to play today and yesterday, two games, both canceled. Next weekend's games are canceled. We won't see Iona again on the basketball basketball court. We hope to January 30th against Marist at 1 p.m. I mean, this is a total bummer for Iona College players who are working so hard, Coach Patino and his staff, and the fans. I mean, the team was turning it around. The team was playing better. They were going to be a force in the MAC conference. Who knows? They probably even had a chance uh, to win the conference and go to the NCAA tournament. I don't know what to tell you now with the Iona College Gales. Three shutdowns. Um, it's really heartbreaking. All right, today I'm going to briefly talk about the game. I think we're going to talk about it other times on the show. But on national TV today, Channel 5, Fox Ch- Channel 5, St. John's beat UConn in a really terrific basketball game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game. It was 74-70. Um, UConn did not have uh, one of their, not only one, not, excuse me, not one of their, their best player averaging 20 points a game, but still a really good game, a close game. UConn led for most of the game, but St. John's never quit. They battled back. They hit key shots. 
They played good defense. Really terrific performance by St. John's. And they had to get this game. You know, they should have beaten Marquette on Saturday. A heartbreaking game. They did not. Uh, Their back's against the wall, folks, if they want to even get a 500 record this year. Uh, And they did get the win today against UConn at UConn. We're going to talk more about that game uh, during the course of the day. Um, I want to tell you about my Saturday. Saturday, I tried. I think all you sports fans be very impressed with this, to watch six sporting events in full in one day. Six games, all right? Uh, I'm going to give you the results, but this is what we do in a pandemic, folks. Uh, You set up two TVs like I did in my house and try to watch six sporting events, sometimes two at a time. Unfortunately, three of the games, the college basketball games, did not go well. I rooted for St. John's. They lost to Marquette 73-71. Should have won that game. I rooted for North Carolina. They lost to Florida State 82-75. But the game was closer than the score. It was a good game. And then the real heartbreaker, my son, as you know, is a Gamecock down in South Carolina. And they lost to LSU despite leading most of the game, despite three of their coaches not there, despite other players missing the game, all because of COVID issues. They still hung in there, led most of the game, but they got cold in the last four minutes, stopped hitting shots, LSU passed them, they lost 85-80. Heartbreaker, folks. I was so into that game, I was so excited that South Carolina could beat LSU, who was nationally ranked, didn't work out. But, on the non-basketball side, I rooted for the Rangers, they beat the Islanders, I rooted for the Bills, they beat the Ravens, I rooted for the Packers, they beat the Rams. So I watched six sporting events, folks, in full, this past Saturday, uh, that's maybe the one positive thing in the pandemic is you can watch a lot of sports. Okay. Um, another game I watched uh, parts of, I didn't see every minute of the game, but I saw more than half the game, was Baylor against Texas Tech because everybody's talking about Baylor as the second best team in the nation after Gonzaga, and I hadn't seen them yet. They're very good. Uh, they're not like Gonzaga. They're not on that level. Uh, ba- Baylor's not as good as Gonzaga. But they're a really good team. They play great defense. They're a very good offensive team. They're well-coached. They're smart. They're disciplined. Baylor will be a force in the NCAA tournament. But I'm not sure they make it to the Final Four. Like people are kind of saying that they're like an automatic. I don't know if they're an automatic. They're very good, though. And they're a force to be reckoned with. And if you want to check out number two Baylor Bears, they're playing tonight against Kansas at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. tonight on ESPN. Right after the show. So you can listen to the show in full. And then go straight to watch uh, Kansas at Baylor tonight. Uh, Could be a good game. By the way, that's number two versus number nine in the rankings. So that's a big-time game tonight, 9 o'clock. All right, folks. So another thing I want to mention, our our guest should be calling in a couple minutes, is uh, we were talking about the St. Bonaventure tonight with the guest, J.P. Butler, who's the main writer in the local newspaper that covers St. Bonaventure in the city of Oleon. Let me tell you about St. Bonaventure. They're hot. They're six and one. They've won every game they played in January. That's four games. Uh, they're off to a really nice start. They have a really strong team. Now, I have some concerns about it, which I'm going to talk about with J.P. Butler when he calls. But if you get a chance to watch St. Bonaventure, and you can this Wednesday night, uh, they have a really big game against VCU, one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10, the same conference as St. Bonaventure Bonnies. 
Uh, they're playing Wednesday night at 6 p.m. You may want to check that one out. Uh, that'll be a, a, a really good game. But St. Bonaventure, 6-1. and one. This is one of the better St. Bonaventure teams uh, I've seen. Now, look, they've, have, they've had teams that recently won an NCAA tournament game that beat that beat uh, UCLA. They've won a couple of years before that. They had Andrew Nicholson, and they won a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. I mean, St. Bonaventure just had some great teams. This team's up there. They're a really good team, and uh, they'll be fun to watch if you check them out. They have, uh, I would say, four really good players. Not every college basketball team has four stars, and they play well together as a team. They don't have a lot of depth. St. Bonaventure doesn't have a lot of depth, but they have four really good players um, and I think if you watch them, you'll be impressed. Now, we have talked about them on the show, and uh, I believe our guest, is that our guest, Chuck? All right, so uh, I believe we have on the line from the uh, Oleon Times Herald, J.P. Butler. J.P., are you there? Yes, I'm here, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. So um, I'll give you my background, then you can give your background. Um, uh, I went to St. Bonaventure for my freshman year. I had a Fabulous okay. time, such a fabulous time that my parents and I agreed I wouldn't go back for the second year because I partied a little too much. But I've loved St. Bonaventure <laughs> basketball for my whole life, and I've always rooted for them. And uh, it's a great school, and they've got a, a historic basketball program going back to Bob Lanier in the early 70s. Really? Uh, so uh, that's my connection to the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. What about you? Yeah, so uh, I actually grew up right here, you know, in only in New York. Uh, you know, I was part of a big Bonna family right from the get-go. I uh, started going to games, you know, when, when I was a kid. I went to uh, St. Bonaventure myself. Oh, wow. I graduated, graduated in 2007. Um, my grandfather actually played for the Bonna basketball team in the 40s. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, my dad went there, graduated in the 70s, graduated in 76. I don't know if that would have been around your he was a little uh, before me. At all. I went in 81 and 82. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I grew up here, um, went to Bonna myself, graduated from the great, you know, journalism department in 2007, and then actually started covering the team for the local newspaper here a couple of years later. And uh, I've kind of been doing that ever since. That's great. And so do a little brag about the St. Bonaventure Communications Department. Tell everybody that they have two incredibly famous uh, sports writers. They do. One right out in your neck of the woods out there, Jim. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with Mike Vaccaro. Love him. Uh, columnist for the New York Post, one of the best columnists in the country. My favorite. In my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because he's a Bonnet guy. I mean, of everybody I read, he's... Awesome. He's at the top of that list as far as I'm concerned. And obviously everybody knows Adrian Wojnarowski for uh, uh, his coverage of the NBA. To me, maybe the best sports media uh, guy in the country uh, with what, what he's able to do with the breaking NBA news and the Woj bombs, as everybody likes to call them. Um, and, and, and really the list kind of even goes um, you know, beyond that. Tons of uh, pretty well-known Bonnet people in sports media today. Absolutely. And uh, Woj was actually watching the game Friday night. I watched the game on Friday night, and he, uh, he they had him briefly on with the St. Bonaventure hat. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that, but funny, funny story with him. So uh, he 
was at the A-10 tournament at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn in 2019, the year that Bonna played in the championship game against St. Louis. And so he's there the whole weekend, all three days that they play, and he's having a great time. And there's a lot of uh, familiar Bonna faces over behind the team's bench, just just really enjoying, you know, watching this team get to the championship. And I'm sitting there going, you know, crossover, I'm, I'm press row, you know, how is he able to kind of be here and having such a good time and still breaking all of the NPA news throughout the course of the day? It's unbelievable. But he does. I, I think at one point he had, he had two beers. He had a beer in each hand and was still, you know, tweeting out NBA news while Bono was playing in the championship game. So he's, uh, he's a man of many, many talents, that's for sure. Very cool. All right, let's get to the Bonnies. Um, okay. So I mentioned before you called, so let's have this as our lead in here. This is a very hot team. They're 4-0 in the month of January, 6-1 and overall. Uh, their last four games, they've really played terrific basketball. Uh, Friday night, they beat Duquesne 62-48. Uh, last Wednesday, I think it was, they beat Fordham 68-54. to uh, Before that, they played St. Joseph's 83-57. And their first game in the month of January was a great game against a really strong team in the A-10, Richmond. They won 69-66 on the road. Those are four really impressive games. They're 6-1. and one. I like the team. I like the fact they have four really good, solid, I'm not going to say solid, I mean excellent ball players that really play well as a team. Uh, what are you thinking about the Bonnies? Well, you, you hit it right on the head at the very end there. They they play so well collectively. You know, this is a team that after that Rhode Island loss, you know, they were coming off a long pause. They didn't look particularly good in that game. And really, since then, it, it's it's starting to come together for them. You mentioned, um, you know, the four guys who really play well offensively of late, Jaron Holmes, Kyle Lofton, um, you know, Dom Welch, and uh, they've got the big guy inside of Shuni. Those guys are pretty good offensively. Jaron Holmes is really starting to come into his own offensively. We saw the little scoring outburst, right, that he went on against, say he had 38 against St. Joe's and then followed it up with 26, and that went over Fordham. Um, but this is a team that, that hangs their hat on the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, the best example of that came just a couple of days ago in that Duquesne game where they weren't playing very well offensively and uh, still were able to beat a pretty good league opponent by 14 because of just how good they were on the defensive end, only giving up 48 points. So this is a team that uh, is talented, um, you know, certainly in that, in that starting lineup, they're, they're good in getting better offensively, but even if they aren't the best offensive team, they do so many other things to be able to win basketball games. That's where this team is at right now. They defend. They're really good at taking care of the basketball. They're just relentless on the offensive glass. They've always been a good free-throw shooting team. And then when you, you, you plug a lot of legitimate talent into that on top of it, you've got a good team. That's, you know, just kind of now really starting to find itself collectively. No question. So I noticed uh, today you'll find them in Joe Lenardi's bracket as a 12 seed. He has St. Bonaventure in the NCAA tournament. And also I noticed that Ken Palm, which is my favorite ranking for college basketball, yep, ha- has them here. at 58. 
And now normally the way it goes, if you're in the top 45 to 50 in Kempom, usually make the NCAA tournament. They're number 58. So they're right there right now. Even if they don't win the A-10, to still be an NCAA tournament team. Well, the thing that's going to be interesting to me about that, and, and you know, we'll see how it plays out this year because it really is such a question mark because of everything going on with the pandemic. Teams are going to play a different number of games. Um, you know, some teams were able to kind of pull off, uh, you know, an entire non-conference. Other teams like Bana weren't really able to do that at all. Bana got just the two non-conference games in. So I'm wondering what kind of effect that might have at the end of the year. Typically, the A-10 is a conference that you really need those non-conference wins to kind of bolster your resume. Yes. And without that, I do wonder uh, how they might be viewed by a committee at the end of the year. Now, a big part of how they made it two years ago uh, in 18 with Jalen Adams was they had the wins over Maryland and Syracuse in the non-conference. So they don't have that this year. So the question is, if they can really get on a roll in league play and say they go, you know, something like 15 and three in league play, and they've got just the two non-conference wins over Akron and Hostra, you're talking 17 and three overall against a pretty good A-10, you know, with wins over, uh, as you mentioned, the preseason league favorite uh, uh, Richmond, um, a St. Louis team that's nationally ranked right now, would, would that resume be enough to get in as an at-large where you don't have the big non-league wins to hang your hat on? That's something I'm really curious about right now because you're right. This is a team that, that you know, numbers-wise and metrics-wise really is right in that conversation right now, but is, is going through an A-10 at like a 15-3, and three, is that going to be good enough to do it? That's a great point. I think you described the uh, situation for St. Bonaventure and the NCAA tournament perfectly. If they win the conference, of course, it's automatic. But even if they don't win the conference, they're going to have to have a great record in the conference. It can't be a very good one. It's going to have to be a great record in the conference. And they're going to have to beat teams like, uh, or at least to have a a couple of wins on their resume, like a St. Louis, like a VCU this Wednesday. Uh, They got Richmond, maybe a Davidson. They're going to have to beat the higher-end teams, uh, in the A-10 to have kind of the uh, record to put them in the argument to get um, an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Right, that's exactly right. So your margin for error is a little less. I agree. Than, than it was. And again, that's something that we did see last year where they lost four or two years ago when they made it. They lost four league games early, and they needed to go on a big winning. They ended up going on a 14-game winning streak, which was just enough to get them in at that point. So we've seen there's a very – you know, recent example of sort of what it takes. And I'm wondering, you know, how that's now going to translate in a year where there was so much, you know, crazy uh, activity going on as far as the pandemic goes. Yeah, you know what, JP? Um, you know, I'm just thinking as you're, as you're talking, you know what's also going to be a huge part of the, of the case they could put together to be a tournament team? How well they do in that tournament. Like if they lose to the finals uh, to St. Louis – that's going to be a, uh, a strong uh, argument for them. If they went through and beat all these strong teams in the tournament and only lost to St. Louis, who's clearly a tournament team right now. Right, right. And, 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 and certainly that's another thing we've seen. The deeper you're able to go, the more you're able to kind of bolster that you know, resume a little bit. Again, referring to two years ago, um, they got 
uh, a win in the quarterfinals to get to the semis of the VA tournament lost there. But that one extra win was enough, again, to kind of put them over the top a little bit. Now, the difference with this year, too, and something that is in their favor is the a is a little more – it's good. It's a good league this year, but it's a little more wide open in terms of having a realistic chance to win it. Last year, it would have been interesting to see because there was a generationally good Dayton team in that league, the number two team in the country who was just rolling through everybody. Sure. And my thought was, even if Bonner can get to, to Friday, Saturday – I don't know if anybody else in this league has a chance to win it this year because of how good that Dayton team was. Well, there's no, there's no Dayton team in the A-10 this year. There's no number two team in the country with a lottery pick in the league this year. And so you look at that as having more of a realistic path to being able to win it all when that time comes. And that's something that they talk a lot about is you know not leaving it up to anybody else to see if they if they end up getting an at-large or not they go into that thing with the idea of the only way to know for sure like you said is to win the whole thing i agree and the way the way things are kind of shaping up now and this is a team that historically gets better you know as the season goes into february and march i don't know if there are a whole lot of teams in that league that i would you know say have a better chance of winning the a10 tournament this year than bana I agree. All right, I want, so we got about three minutes. Let's do a minute and a half yep. on two different subjects. Ready? Okay. Okay. Number one, I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. Uh, they have to stay steady. They got to keep winning like three out of four games rest of the season. We both agree on okay. that to be a tournament team. I worry about the depth. You know, they have a seven-man rotation. till they got Anthony yep. Roberts, it was really only a six-man rotation. I worry yep. about the depth. Uh, please nobody get hurt. Uh, that's one concern I have. What about you? No, that, that, that is a concern, and it's funny because this is a year I thought maybe it really wouldn't be, um, but they've had a couple of departures and a transfer, and you know even Roberts right now, is I know he's home dealing with a family issue, and suddenly this team that you thought maybe could be 10 deep is, like you said, 6-7 deep. Now, the thing that I think is in their favor, again, this isn't something they're, uh, that is, they're unfamiliar with. They've never really been that deep with Schmidt, his top guys are used to going 37, 38, 39 minutes a game. Somehow they kind of weather that pretty well throughout the year. They got a guy, you know, Kyle Lawson, the point guard, led the nation in minutes played last year. He's probably going to be right up there again. It doesn't seem to really have that much of an effect on them at the end of the year. So, you know, while you'd want to maybe have a couple of more guys off the bench that you can depend on, it's a team that's largely been able to kind of withstand having a, a, a pretty small rotation over the years. The only thing that they really can't afford is like a significant injury. Right, to, I agree. To Look, one of those guys, to Lofton or Oshie inside. That's, that's what can't happen. Because Lofton's the key because you need a point guard to ride right. through these tournaments, the, the A-10 tournament, get into the NCAA tournament. He's the star. Uh, I think he could play 40 minutes, no problem. Uh, he's the key guy. Please stay healthy. And that's what he does. And, and, and you're right. He's the leader. He's the guy with the ball in his hands. He makes the offense go. To me, the, the two guys that you know you really can't have injured to one two are Lofton and Oshun inside. Not that he's a big offensive threat, 
He still hasn't become uh, that guy inside the way they kind of envision. But what he brings defensively, a shot-blocking, rim-protecting center who grabs 10, 12 rebounds a game, who shuts things down inside, even just the defensive presence alone, those are the two guys that can't get hurt going forward. If they can do it, and we saw it last year, Oshun got hurt. Missed five, six games. They lost almost all of them. No, I remember that. All right, listen, we got about if, 20 if seconds left. stay healthy, they can withstand the, the, the smaller rotation. I agree. All right, JP, but 20 seconds. Give me a 20-second answer. VCU, everything we're talking about here, they got to win that one Wednesday night. What do you think? They do. It's at home. You got to win it again. Like we said, this is the type of win that you need to have under your belt to have any chance of maybe making an at-large at the end of the year. What they need to do against this team is handle their defensive pressure, take care of the ball. That's something that they haven't been able to do in the last two years against BCU. They got beat up on pretty good, both in 18 and 19, and they have to be better at that in this meeting on Wednesday. I agree. I saw the 19 game. It wasn't pretty. All right, JP, great job. I hope you'll come back again. Go Bonas. Jim, love to be on any time. Thanks for having me. you got a great thing going. Glad to be a part of it. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to the commercial break, and we'll be right back on Kyle Troops Chat. Chester's favorite morning show. I love the morning show. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Maysano, the host. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of the show. Uh, and thank you to J.P. Butler from the Oleon Times-Herald. Did a great job talking about St. Bonaventure basketball in a season that's looking really uh, optimistic for the uh, St. Bonaventure Bonnies. They're 6-1, big game Wednesday against VCU. All right, I think we have our number one caller on the line now, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there? I am, James. How are we doing? How are you doing today? Good, good, good. All right, I'm going to throw a stat at you, something you and I have talked about on the phone. I think we've talked about it on the show. This stat is very interesting. Here we go. For the first time since December 18th, 1961, when today's AP poll was released for college basketball, Duke, Kentucky, and UNC were all not listed. Not one of them was listed for the first time since 1961. Pretty unbelievable, right? Amazing, as you say, particularly because of the the length of time that they've been just kind of a mainstay in the top 20 or top 25. But it's interesting because it goes back to what you and I have talked about from the beginning of this year uh, with obviously the uneven nature of the games. These are programs over the last handful of years that have been based off of kind of the one and done. They bring in the superstars, and the superstars come sometimes enroll in the spring. The year before, they play through the summer. Uh, they get early practices with their teams. They get to know them, and then they play a you know a pre a pre you know pre conference schedule that sometimes is light, but mixes in some good games. So they're ready to go. That has not been the case. I mean, Kentucky is just an absolute mess. 
but you know those players are great players. So I think it really goes to it, it really changes the model. I mean, this is not going to continue, but the current model is going to be very difficult for them for the whole for the rest of the year. No question. So I remember a couple of years ago, I'm watching in August ESPN. I'm just kind of channel surfing, and I come upon Duke playing a team in Europe in August. Every now and then, there's some kind of deal where. Uh, American college basketball teams get a one-time deal to go play some games uh, in Europe. Uh, so that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Though That's Duke. That was a freshman-heavy team playing games together as a team in August. And, of course, they were in the gym all August. And, of course, they were in the gym starting in, after Labor Day. And they were in the gym all the way up to the opening games in November. That's like three, four months of practice time that was gone this year. Didn't happen because of covid they started about three weeks before the season, which opened in Thanksgiving. Um, three weeks is not going to be enough time to get freshmen acclimatized to the team, to the program, to the style of play. It's impossible to have a freshman-led team be successful in the year of COVID. Absolutely. And you think about other, other opportunities, and you see, and I know this personally, because uh, Coach Cooley of Providence has been very involved in the international scene and USA basketball where they are able to coach other teams, where they're able to bring some of their players, not only the freshmen, but also some of the other classmates that are sophomores and juniors, and get them to play with better players. But as you mentioned in particular, they don't do that on the fact that there's no practice. There's a practice probably five to six weeks prior to them traveling. There's the travel, there's the games, they come back, they're able to wind down, and then start practicing again for the, for the preseason. So as you mentioned, it's a huge advantage, huge, huge advantage for those players uh, to not only to stay in shape, but also to get into game shape. No question. Listen, I, I watch every North Carolina game, and uh, I've already seen since Thanksgiving to today, they have two starting freshman guards, which is impossible to be a top-tier NCAA team with two freshman guards that practice for three weeks for the season started. But you know what? They've gotten a lot better. Here we are in January, mid-January. They're playing really well. By next month, by when they get to the ACC tournament, North Carolina will be a bigger threat then. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you mentioned from the get-go. So if you take this back where there was no preseason, so the preseason kind of is December, January, and then we get into February, and then they start to pick up the pace, obviously practices. And as we mentioned, some of these teams that where they've had situation where games have canceled and has allowed them to practice. So as you mentioned, those two, those two freshman guards on UNC maybe able to lock some minutes over the course of the last month because of the fact that A, there's no classes and B, they had a, may have had a few games canceled and then they're playing themselves into shape. So yes, come, come February. And we, I think we talked about this in the beginning of the year. Come February is where we're going to really have to see where, where the rubber meets the road for a lot of these teams. I agree. All right, let's switch subjects. Uh, a big game today for St. John's. It's having a tough season. They they did win uh, uh, against Butler last week. They lost a heartbreaker to Marquette over the weekend. This was really kind of like a must-win game for St. John's. They went out and beat UConn, despite not having their best player, Book Knight, who was hurt. Uh, but a great game today by St. John's. They, despite turning the ball 18 times, turning the ball over, um, they got the win 74-70. They were down for most of the game. They rallied in the last five minutes. They got a big win. The team stepped up on national TV. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's a great win, and as you say, a must-win for them to be relevant this year. Uh, they took advantage, obviously, the fact is that what Book Knight looks like 
possibly the player of the year or, or was possibly the player of the year in the Big East prior to his injury on his elbow, which is going to keep him out for at least a few weeks, which is obviously devastating for UConn. And so, you know, th- this was an opportunity for St. John's. St. John's did a great job. They had other people step up who had not played big time for them yet. But as, the, as you had mentioned, they hung around, and then I guess they tied it up with four minutes to go. But the key, what I saw was at the end, was that they made free throws and UConn didn't, which is interesting. No question. Also, the defense, they their defense clamped down a little more. You know, they do, you know, the Mike Anderson style is, you know, the pressure of the ball, the pressure defense really helped them in the final five minutes. Also, Posh Alexander was a beast out on the floor. He played terrific. And Erlington uh, went three for three from the three-point line. Uh, uh, line. Now, that's pretty unbelievable. He's, a, he's kind of a, a power forward. He had three threes. Took three to shot it three times. Um, you know, there's nine points that li- literally helped decide the game. Yeah, and exactly. Those are nine points that it normally in the past he's not had. Right. So you, you, you take that along with the fact is that St. John's to some extent also has had a lot of commotion in their, in their, uh, in their roster over the last couple of years as Mike Anderson gets this team, you know, settled down and, and a normal progression of recruits and a normal progression of maturation through the program. So, again, kind of to some extent, maybe St. John's is going to be benefiting by the fact that they're going to be playing better basketball come the, you know, come the late January, early February part of the schedule when it's going to matter. All right. Big win for St. John's today on national TV. By the way, Ken, Martin Luther King Day, national TV, not too bad for recruiting either to get a win for St. John's. Oh, it helps. It helps everybody. I mean, Absolutely. Again, national television helps the Big East. Helps them and, you know, it Absolutely. helps the recruiting effort as well. I agree. All right, so let's go to the AP Top 10, our third subject uh, with Kenny from Rye. Uh, of course, I'm going to read the 10 teams that the AP listed as the Top 10, and then we'll kind of chat about it. Number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Baylor. Number three, Villanova. Number four, Iowa. Number five, Texas. Number six, Tennessee. Number seven, Michigan. Number eight, Houston. Number nine, Kansas. Number 10, Wisconsin. Um, so we'll st- I'm going to start with number one. Uh, clearly, not only does Gonzaga get number one from the AP, but Ken Palm and John Rothstein and pretty much everybody else in college basketball has Gonzaga as the best team. Coach Beheim from Syracuse said this week, which I thought was a pretty dramatic quote, it's the most dominant team he's seen since John Wooden at UCLA. How about that? The only issue with Gonzaga is that they, they, they typically build their resume early in the year, which didn't exist as much this year. So, and then they go out west, and they play teams that are obviously good teams, but they're not great teams. So that they don't have that constant night-in, night-out battle that a Big Ten or a Big East or an ACC would, would play. So you're right. And, and then I think the expectation for them is they basically have to go undefeated and or maybe one loss, which would probably be beneficial for the from a coaching perspective. Uh, but I think they're going to skate through the year for the most part, you know, and remain number one. I think really that the the issue is the rest of the rest of the two, two through ten. That's only going to matter now. I agree. They're, they do not, they did have some tough non conference games. They did get in, but at the end of the day, um, they're going to whip through uh, their conference. They're going to be unbeaten going into the NCAA tournament. But I'm not sure if Gonzaga wins the national championship. We'll see how they do uh, in the NCAA championship when they got to play every game, particularly when you get to the Sweet 16 going forward. Teams that are about as good as them are close. Uh, you never know what could happen. Uh, uh, a player has an off night, uh, foul trouble, uh, another team gets really hot, 
and Gonzaga could get knocked out. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the, the, the list that you're, you're speaking about, both Ken Palm and, and then John Rothstein, from a perspective, if you take it back into, like, look at Iowa's schedule. Iowa, you know, night in and night out, we've, we've pretty much mentioned the Big Ten has been the kind of league this year from a standpoint of top to bottom. I mean, you look at basically even the bottom, is, you know, our, our hard-fought our hard games. I would love to see a, a Gonzaga-Iowa in the final 16 or the final eight. You know, again, Villanova, who knows what they're going to be when they come back. We expect them to be good. Texas has played itself, you know, into a very, very good position. Tennessee, you know, I know Rick Barnes very well. Uh, he's done a very good job. It's always difficult to me. And then Michigan. Michigan looked unbeatable, and then yet they lost to Minnesota the other day. Again, another big, big Ten battle. No question. Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, the three Big Ten teams in the AP Top Ten. Uh, they're, they've got that record with a very rugged schedule. Uh, they're really, really strong teams. Baylor. Let's talk about Baylor before we run out of time, Ken. I watched Baylor play. Uh, they're really good. Um, do I think Baylor's on the Gonzaga level? I don't, but we'll see. Uh, they're a team that uh, plays terrific defense. They're well-coached. Uh, they can score the ball. They play like a team. They're a really good team. We'll see how they do tonight against Kansas. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the key tonight. As you say, then, then they're starting to play some real schedule here. I mean, Baylor has, has, has gotten through the program, has done a good job, has obviously a mature, uh, mature roster. But tonight is Kansas. And Kansas, as you know, and we all know, is loaded with, you know, you know, five-star recruits. So they may not be playing perfectly in the beginning of the year, but they're going to get better and better and better. And tonight may be one of those games. We'll have to see how Baylor does. It'll be very interesting tonight. And uh, the last comment I'll make, you, you comment, that'll be the end of our time, Ken. Uh, I've seen Villanova. They are, they're 8-1. and one. Uh, They're still really, really good. And I think they could give Gonzaga a game as well. I think so, too. I mean, Jay does a great job. It's been a month layoff, though, so we'll have to see how, how they shake off the rust. I agree. All right, Kenny from Rye, thank you for the call. We'll talk this week about games, and I'll chat with you again next Monday on Kyle Troops Chat. Great. Thanks, James. Thanks, Ken. All right, we're going to the commercial break. We'll come back. Open line. Call us, 914-636-0110. 914-636-0110. We'll talk to you after the break. Start your mornings with radio's favorite morning team, Dennis and Tommy, and Good Morning Westchester. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Maysano, your host. We're here every Monday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Appreciate our callers so far. J.P. Butler uh, from the Oleon Times Herald to talk about the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Uh, he really did a great job. Uh, second time we had a, uh, a, a special guest who covers St. Bonaventure and both did a terrific job. So uh, you certainly know a lot about St. Bonaventure Bonnies now here on College Hoops Chat. Um, and Kenny from Rye, of course, calls every week, and we have a very fun chat about college basketball, which we uh, practice for all week. We talk about basketball, and then we get ready for the show on Monday night. All right, does, do we have any callers, Chuck? None yet. Folks, if you want to give us a call, the number here is 
I'd love to have some calls. Uh, did a lot of chatting already on the show. I'd love to uh, hear f- from other guests and other callers uh, here on the show, College Hoops Chat. Uh, remember, we have a website at www.collegehoopschat.com. Uh, so feel free to check that out. We put all of the shows uh, up on the website, so you can always um, hear our, our back issues of the uh, radio show. Uh, we also put them on Anchor. We have a podcast site uh, on Anchor where you can also hear all our um, prior shows. Uh, this is episode number 14. Show's been going really well. Uh, it's a tough year with COVID and shutdowns. And one of the reasons uh, we started the show is because uh, there was kind of an excitement in the city of New Rochelle about Rick Pitino coming to coach the Iona Gales. Uh, and we thought that maybe uh, this was a good time to have a college basketball radio show right here in New Rochelle on WVOX and WVOX was nice enough to allow us uh, to come in uh, for an hour every Monday night to chat about college basketball. The show's been a really big success from what we can track. We have hundreds of listeners, either by listening live on the air or listening uh, when we put the show up on the website or on the Anchor podcast site. So we have hundreds of people checking out the show, which is exciting. Uh, Hopefully we can build it up uh, even bigger as time uh, goes by. But so far, it's uh, the 14th episode and uh, I'm having fun doing this, and I appreciate the support. Those of you that um, tune in uh, on Monday nights or those who go uh, on to the um, uh, podcast place on Anchor uh, to listen to uh, uh, this week's show or a prior show, so far so good uh, with College Hoops Chat Radio Show. Again, if you want to call, the number is 914-636-0110. All right, so... Right before the break, we were chatting with Kenny uh, from Rye about the AP Top 10 poll. We talked about Gonzaga really being the clear number one. Really, nobody's debating that right now. Pretty much every college basketball analyst has Gonzaga number one. Uh, we talked about Baylor, who's number two, unbeaten, 12-0. and 0. Uh, But they had a lot of easy games. Uh, they're a really good team, don't get me wrong. But uh, they still got to play some big-time teams. They played Texas Tech this Saturday. It was a good game. They played Kansas tonight. They have Texas coming up. So we'll see just how good Baylor is. But if they win all those games against top 25 teams uh, in their conference, like a Texas Tech, like a Texas, like a Kansas, well, that would be quite a statement for Baylor uh, when they go into the NCAA tournament. Uh, We talked about Villanova, who's been dealing with shutdowns, but still a really good team. Iowa. I've seen Iowa look amazing. I've seen Iowa look not so good. Uh, but most of the time, because Iowa is 12-2 and two, and they lost the buzzer uh, to Minnesota, that it could have been 13-1, and one, Iowa's a terrific team. Uh, and the one team that blew them off the court was Gonzaga, who's the best team. So Iowa's really good. Um, Texas is number five. They're 11-2. and two. Texas has played some really exciting games this year. They got some big-time wins. Uh, they're impressive. We didn't talk about uh, number six, Tennessee. Um, I've only seen Tennessee in snippets, parts of games. I haven't seen them from beginning to end. But um, Tennessee's got a very strong team. Uh, They appear to be the best team in the SEC this year. Uh, Some people were saying it was Tennessee or LSU. I saw LSU on Saturday night against South Carolina. They were very good, but they weren't great. Um, Tennessee is great. So uh, that's an interesting team. Uh, They're probably the best team in the SEC. See if they can hold it 
all the way through to, uh, through the SEC tournament. Uh, but hopefully they don't beat my son, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, number seven's Michigan. Excellent team. They just had a really bad loss this past weekend. Uh, but still, uh, Michigan's uh, a power. They're 11-1. Houston. Houston's a team. Now, they're in the American Conference. They're number uh, eight right now in the AP poll. They're 11-1, and one, Houston. Uh, they're really good. I've seen them play. They beat South Carolina. I saw the whole game. Uh, Well-coached. Uh, they play fast. Uh, they're very athletic. Uh, they're going to win a lot of games. They're, they're the clear best team in their conference. Uh, similar like Gonzaga kind of thing. They're going to go through their conference and win all or most games. They're going to be a strong team going into the NCAA tournament. Houston's, as far as I'm concerned, going to be an NCAA tournament team. Number nine is Kansas. We're going to learn a lot about Kansas tonight in six minutes when Kansas plays Baylor. Should be a great game. I'll be running from the show over to see Kansas and Baylor. And then number 10, Wisconsin. They're 11-3, and but they're in the Big Ten, the best conference. They've got some big wins uh, in the Big Ten, and uh, Wisconsin's really good. Two of the teams I'll mention, while they didn't make the AP Top 10, Ken Palm. Ken Palm, I've talked about, is a... uh, a website that ranks every single team in Division One every day. It's like 357 teams, although this year it's confusing because the Ivy League's not playing, so I don't know the exact number. It's normally 357 teams. Uh, they have their own ranking. Uh, their top 10 was a little different. They included in the top 10 number 7, Virginia. Um, no, that's the only difference. Number 7, Virginia. Uh, and then John Rothstein, who's... Uh, uh, an analyst who's uh, got a website and he's on Twitter all day long talking about college basketball. If you like college basketball, go on Twitter and follow John Rothstein. He's terrific. Uh, he had Creighton number 10. So uh, he didn't have Wisconsin in the top 10. He had Creighton. So you, two other teams to think about as top 10 type teams, Virginia and Creighton. We have a call? Great. Uh, good evening. Hey, Jim. It's John from Croton. How are you? Hey, John from Croton. How you doing? Uh, not didn't have a great afternoon uh, today, but uh, doing fine otherwise. All right, so John from Croton uh, is a UConn fan. Uh, his daughter went to UConn, and when she was at UConn, they were like championship university, winning both men and women's national championships. Uh, so he was watching the game today, rooting for UConn. I, a lifelong St. John's fan, was rooting for St. John's. Uh, I got this one, John. It was a really good game, exciting game. Maybe Connecticut wins if they have their best player who averages 20 points a game, who's hurt now for a month, but it was still a good game. No, I mean, it, it was certainly a good game, and I think today the better team uh, on the court won. They really just played a full uh, 40 minutes, right? Two, two halves of 20 minutes, and they really, St. John's really played well. St. John's closed really strong. You know, they haven't always done that. For instance, they didn't do it uh, this weekend against Marquette. Had they done it, uh, something like they did today uh, with UConn, they would have beat Marquette. Because the, against um, Marquette this week, uh, they got it tied 71-71 after they fought all the way back, John. Uh, with 44 seconds, they got it tied. And then, of course, Marquette hit a shot and won the game 73-71. Um, it it's a shame because, you know, they beat Baylor, St. John's. They could have beaten Marquette. Then they beat UConn. All of a sudden, St. John's is starting to play a lot better basketball. Yeah, I think I think the term is game shape. I mean, it's been so crazy out there with games that are canceled. I mean, UConn was supposed to play Villanova on Friday night, and that got scrubbed because of uh, Villanova is out now for a while. 
these teams haven't been able to get into game shape. I mean, besides Gonzaga, I think they were in game shape game one. But, I mean, these teams haven't been able to, and maybe you're seeing, you know, more repetitions, more games, more playing time, and it's starting to reflect on some of the teams. A lot of teams still haven't played a lot of games. Really good point, John. So, uh, so I'll, let me ask you a question. The thing I found interesting about UConn today, so I want to ask you the question, because I'll tell you what, I saw, curious other people thought that. Despite the fact that they have Danny Hurley, who's a great coach, and I, I think he's a great coach, and I, he can coach my team any day, I thought UConn got the lead and took the air, air out of the ball and stopped attacking and started playing for the win way too early. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they like you said, they were missing their top player. But, at this, yeah, they didn't play 40 minutes. St. John did play 40 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get complacent. I mean, we saw it in some of the NFL games, and it almost cost a couple of teams. So you've got to play a full 40 minutes, and you don't know – you won't, you're playing these teams for the first time this year. It's not the second time, and you don't know who's going to, what's going to come. You know what's going to come down the pipe, even the second half versus the first half. When I was a fan of sports, John, when I was younger, I probably was a little more conservative. But now, having watched sports, you know, for like 45 years of my life, when you're in a big game, play to win. Don't play not to lose. Do what Andy Reid did this weekend. Go play to win the game. Don't look back. Make the big play. Don't just sit on the ball, try to run out the clock, because half the time you're going to lose. Right. You can't prevent. You can't use the prevent defense anymore. I agree. All right, John, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. That's it, folks. We're done with Kyle Troops Chat for today. Great show. I enjoyed chatting with everyone. Uh, We'll talk to you next Monday night on Kyle Troops Chat at 8 o'clock on Monday night. Have a great week, everybody. Watch the game tonight, Kansas and Baylor. Bye-bye now.